please find please find in your Bible book of Romans in chapter 3 and even now we want to be preparing our hearts for a understanding for a hearing summary of the gospel and and the Bible's revelation about religious boasting. Let's pray just for a moment. Ask God to help us and and teach us and allow us the ability to concentrate and comprehend. Let's pray. Almighty God, great God of, of truth, great God of mercy, great and fearsome God of justice and wrath. We still our hearts and we bow ourselves before you and ask for you to send your spirit and give us understanding, give us conviction, accomplish your work in us today, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. As I said a moment ago, please uh, find the book of Romans, chapter 3. I'm going to begin reading from verse 21. We read, But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of Jews only? Is he not also God of the Gentiles? Yes, of Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. And just... Revel for a moment in the fact that we do 
have God's holy and inerrant word. Holy word preserved for his saints. May God help us to understand his word today. From verse 21 to 26 here in this chapter, it is it is revealed, the answers are revealed, that are sought by the truly lost man. The way of hope and life and the mystery of God's justice and man's forgiveness are revealed here. The only one really to whom this would ever be revealed is uh, is the one who's lost. One who begins to grasp his lostness. These words make a great revelation to him. We look and we meditate here on salvation. Like an engineer who's being shown the beauty of the final project. And as he examines and contemplates the undergirding components of this great feat of engineering. He admires its beauty and marvels at what they accomplish together in their pieces. Every great bridge and building is beautiful to look at and even more so beautiful when we recognize and understand the complex details that go together and work to accomplish its final purposes. You know, the laws of physics must be obeyed. And the scholars and the builders must carefully understand what your casual observers do not understand. Or at least they don't understand with any sort of depth or understanding. The forces of creation, the forces of physics and chemistry, will perfectly obey their laws, relentlessly. And if men are ignorant or foolish, they will miscalculate or they will not calculate and and they will break the rules of physics or chemistry in some way so that their desired end might be greatly compromised. Maybe men's lives would be lost. Maybe great riches, massive wealth, would be lost and destroyed. Think about making the Golden Gate Bridge and how it is made to withstand wind and vehicles and the pressures of tides. And think about how terrible the disaster would be if the force of tide and earthquake and and weight of vehicles combined in such a way that its failure results 
in loss of wealth and life and work. I wonder if you think that the rules of salvation from sin are less complex than the rules that govern the building of a sound bridge or building. Have you ever thought of the rules of God's wrath and justice and redemption and forgiveness? Have you ever thought of those things the way an engineer thinks about physics? God's wrath, you see, is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and against unrighteousness. The wrath of God is a real force to be reckoned with. The Bible says his wrath is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness. Men would not and do not honor God. Men love what they were made not to love. And these evidences simply demonstrate the wrongness of men. It's not right for men to be like this. And these loves, these wrong loves, these these evidences of their sinfulness spelled out in the book of Romans, they simply demonstrate the wrongness of men. They, they, they simply demonstrate the veracity of the charges made here in this great letter. So the man who builds a spiritual house, the man who prepares himself for the inevitable day when he, when he faces the rest of his spiritual reality, the man preparing, maybe rarely, but preparing nonetheless, is exposed. He's exposed now to God's wrath. He's exposed to the real spiritual dilemma. The spiritual dilemma of not understanding the wrath of God, of not understanding the sinfulness of man, of not understanding judgment, of not knowing how to prepare, not knowing how to be ready to face the judge. What the gospel says at verse 28 in Romans 3, the gospel speaks about the righteousness of God in Romans 3. The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed in Romans 3. You see, eternal life Salvation. It's given to the righteous. It's for the righteous. So to stay in the vein of thinking of in terms of engineering, your house must be perfectly righteous. And building righteousness is unbelievably problematic. Building a righteous house of salvation, actually being prepared to meet God and and receive eternal life is unbelievably problematic. The law, the law of God will expose every spiritual failure, 
every coveting heart, every lusting desire. And this means the just one, it means the judge who is the just one, will discover your failure. And the discovery of your failure, the right judgment of your unrighteousness means your failure. And it means you cannot receive eternal life. Because one of the rules that must be obeyed in in understanding this whole system and realm is that the wage of sin is death. Your house you build must stand on a rock that is flawless in righteous strength. You must build a house of perfect righteousness. In the gospel, even what we have read in these few paragraphs of the gospel of Romans, it teaches us how this is built. What it is said, you'll notice there in verse 22, the righteousness of God is apart from the law and through faith. The righteousness of God through faith. This is one of the unchangeable principles of righteousness. We would read further, the righteous are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ in verse 24. We would also read in verse 25, this Jesus Christ whom God put forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith. Every word, every sentence, every thought is packed with careful truth. Driving the convicted sinner to the knowledge of his need of perfect righteousness and of how it is he can come to possess it. As you comprehend righteousness and justification and redemption by faith, you are told the law of faith excludes boasting. There's all of these factors. Justification, redemption, propitiation, repentance, free grace. As we comprehend these things, we are told, you are told, the law of faith excludes boasting. Right there in verse 27, which we read a moment ago, where is boasting then? It is excluded. If we carefully consider this here, if we get our minds around what is being explained here, you're going to be able to see if your foundation of hope, if your conceptions of of salvation and, and your attainment of it is built on the law of works that cannot save or if it is built on the law of faith that can save. If we carefully consider this statement here, this question, where is boasting? You'll find that it'll help us see what you have built your hope in. So let's consider for a minute the law of works 
than boasting. As you see there, it asks the question in verse 27, where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? So there is a law of works. And when the Spirit presents this question to a man and says, where is boasting then? And says it is excluded. There is a law that excludes it, but it is not the law of works. Keep reading. No, but by the law of faith. It is the law of faith that excludes this boasting. What has been hinted at and yet not so clearly explained to this point is the fact that men operate under one of two laws. There are two laws that govern the the spiritual reality of all men. All men are born under the law of works. Men born into this realm We call it scripturally here the law of works. For example, the typical Jew has been clearly shown to us to be under the law of works. And this is their basis, their their worldview, their understanding of how the law works. This is their basis of condemning the Gentiles. They look on the Gentiles as being unworthy and, and unable to attain unto the offer of eternal life. Paul points out that this is an error in the Jews' reasoning. He shows them they do not properly understand how broadly the law of works applies. Although the Gentiles don't have the law as in the Mosaic law, they too live under the law of works. Let me show you in Romans 2, verse 14. As we read this, try to get an understanding of what I mean when I say the Gentiles are also shown to be under the law of works. From 2 and verse 14, For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves, who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, according to my gospel. We we need to notice two things here. First, we see in, in verse 15 that there is a work of the law written in their hearts. And the conscience of the Gentiles will witness between themselves. They, they will be able to render verdicts of guilty or innocent by this work of law. This, this, this law of works is in operation on the Gentiles, even though it is not the law of Moses. They use the law to establish who is worthy, who is not worthy. They use this law to pronounce innocence and guilt. And you'll also notice it's it's just brilliant. In, in verse 16, it says, In the day when God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel, which means that in the last day, which is here shortly, the last day may be this year. It may be this month. The last day comes, and the Gentiles will employ this law they will, they will claim their merits or condemn one another according to this principle. So the gospel in Romans here is teaching us 
that all men are born under this law of works. And what I think you will realize, and I'm going to help you understand, is that this law is by necessity a law of boasting. A law of boasting. That's what we... That's what you begin to understand and grasp there in verse 27. All of these under this law. It, it, it's, it's in a law that, that, that always comes with boasting. Boasting is part of this principle. Let me explain. Boasting is the words of I. Boasting is the words of pride. The words of pride explain how I accomplish, how I have practiced my self-discipline. It explains how I have avoided wrong. The boast or the words of pride, these fit in the realm of the law of works. The words of pride are the boast. It will maybe tell you about its success. It may tell you about its intelligence, its cleverness, its its insights. It it may delight in, in telling you how efficiently it can do this and that. And and often, usually it's given in such a way that you are to recognize that there are others who don't line up to this. This is often exclaimed in such a way where it, it, it holds up the one speaking it and thinking it. There's a lot of boasting. There's much boasting. It was never really heard in public. It's heard really only between your ears. Do you get what I'm saying? There's a lot of boasting that, that only happens in the quietness of your own mind and your own heart, and it is self-praising. It is self-assuring and self-vindicating. In religion, religiously speaking, the boast might say something like, I have attended church five Sundays in a row. And and that's thought or felt in such a way as to assert goodness, rightness, virtue. Or it might say, I haven't forgotten to tithe for three months in a row. And again, the the words in the mind are spoken out loud are 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 part of 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 a demonstration of succeeding within the realm of work. It might say something like, I rarely miss the prayer meeting. The boast reflects its owner's hope and joy. The boast is something that reveals what its mouth and mind believe credits them with worthiness and success. 
The boast is a component of the law of works that gives a man assurance of his success and his achievement. The law of works says do. The law of works says do, and when you do it, you know you are right. And when he accomplishes this, he says, I'm just. I'm right. He works out his rightness. And when he declares to himself or to a friend that he has done it, you know he respects this law and he appreciates its praise. He appreciates its offer of reward. He appreciates and he values the assurance that it gives him. The gospel, the gospel as it has been preached to us so far in this book that is brought by the apostles' revelation, it teaches that men receive righteousness from God through their faith and belief in Christ. The man who is made right to God, he doesn't accomplish this justification. This man cannot boast. The man who has been brought under the competence and the law of faith has not done his justification, has not accomplished his merit. He does not and cannot accomplish it. This man cannot boast according to the law of faith. Look with me again at verse 27. When it asks, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Boasting is excluded in the in, in the realm of the law of faith. And the apostle immediately here upon our uh, 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 upon the completion of his explaining of justification and redemption and propitiation the, the fall and utter sinfulness of men and their their offer of free grace in Christ as, as they are explaining these things and, and as, as this begins to to make itself apparent on the horizon of hope for the person who is longing for this righteousness, he is immediately warned, he's immediately shown boasting is excluded. Now, let's think for a moment about the law of faith and Christ's justification. And we'll continue to work on understanding the difference between these two realms and these two laws. The boast itself, the thing that is excluded, is a symptom, it's a byproduct of misplaced trust and belief. It evidences wrong believing. The boast 
flows from the heart of the unsaved. And Paul warns. He warns. As as he has just finished the explanation of the gospel, and, and people maybe are just beginning to grasp it. And, and he warns. And he says, so now we conclude. Now we conclude. After I've explained the gospel to you, now we conclude. A man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Justification by faith has to do with work, but not your work. It has to do with the work of Christ. The law of faith will hear no self-accomplished merits. You hear me? The law of faith will hear no self-accomplished merits. We do now conclude. We we're, we're, we're finished making our gospel statement and we say that man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Salvation is in a completely different realm than this place where the law of work operates. Boasting comes from the one who is blind and deaf and dumb to the law of faith that justifies. The one who boasts, the one who, who speaks of his merit in any way, the one who thinks of his kindness, the one who thinks of his goodness, the one who thinks of his generosity as a, as a thing indicating his, his acceptance before God is blind and deaf and dumb to the gospel dumb to the law of faith that justifies when the thorough and complete and full perfection of justification when it comes into view as the believing one comprehends this a sinner is speechless He's speechless. He has nothing to say. The awe is too great. The the greatness and the fullness of, of the reality of what he has been made by faith compared to what he is not in faith is so remarkable and astonishing. He has no words. He is speechless. the boast of any merit, the, the, the self-praising, pleasurable goodness or rightness that a, that a man brings to his own case. This is what Isaiah said in the most kind English filthy rags, but in the raw Hebrew, the the rags of 
menstruation are more adequate. In other words, your very best, the, the things we have to express or demonstrate our merit before God are garbage. They are refuse in the light of the perfect, glorious, and wonderful, thorough, deep righteousness and justification that is yours in Christ by faith. If you are good, if you are good enough, if, if, if your view of your Christianity is, well, I'm good enough, I'm doing pretty good, if, if this is how you see yourself, this is in itself your, your, your assurance, whatever it sounds like, however you express it. This is the sinful boast of works and self-accomplishment. Saving righteousness is by faith in Christ alone. The law of faith doesn't say you are good. Think carefully about the law of faith and what we have read in the gospel about what the gospel says about you. The law of faith doesn't say you are good. It says Christ alone is good. It says Christ alone is righteous. If you look at verses 29 and 30, he asks this question, Is he the God of Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. This contrasts two groups of people. One is the fiercely religious the fiercely religious, the circumcised religious, or in a more contemporary Gentile context, the, the baptized going to church every week religious. It, it, it's them compared to the unreligious. It says the ultra-religious and the irreligious have one God. One God is the maker of men. One God is the judge of men. One God is the one who either condemns or gives eternal life. And it is this one God who, look at the passage again, there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. How will the Religious man show his righteousness by his faithful church attendance, by his generous giving to the poor, giving away all of his riches, serving in the soup kitchen. Is, is this how he will come and, and present himself to God? No. And the Gentile, the irreligious Gentile, who expresses something like, I'm not as bad as many. I'm not as bad as most. I'll take my chances with the man 
when the time comes, they say blasphemously, what is it? What is it that could bring either of these men to eternal life and hope of peace with God? What is it? It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Justification by faith. I think it's fair that we should say that the law of faith does commend, it does commend one boast. And I want you to think about this just for a moment with me. There is a boast. There is a boast that we might brag on. We believe in the life of Christ for our righteousness. His perfect life we can brag on. We can brag on His perfect goodness. We believe that the blood of Christ is a sufficient atonement for our sins because we know His life was an acceptable offering. We do not boast in our kindness. We do not boast in our generosity. We do not boast in our our grace or our temperance or our Sunday faithfulness. We boast with joy and, and with honor for the King. We boast in Him. Verse 31 asks a question. It's another very distinctive moment in chapter 3 at verse 31. As we we revel in the free grace of God granted by faith in Christ, as we begin to find our hearts sore with joy in the impossible providence that has brought us to this gospel that that would bring us to God safe and secure and full of the righteousness of Christ full of confident hope in eternal life Paul brings us these words and he says do we then make void the law through faith certainly not On the contrary, we establish the law. Wow. This is another remarkable change of thought, in a sense. It it immediately goes to this point because it is easy for you and I to, to contemplate the reality of becoming inheritors of the righteousness of Christ when when we realize we have been granted sonship apart from the law when we realize that it has been God's gift of gracious generosity and not our works that has brought us to this incredible status and then he says Do we then make void the law through faith? It's as if it's easy to believe. It's easy for you to believe that the law of faith now says you walk away from the law and have nothing to do with it. It would be easy for you to say, I'm done with that. 
I can do whatever my heart desires. I'm, I'm free from this realm. But God in His ultimate wisdom moves the, the hand and, and mind of the inspired apostle to ask this question. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. We establish it. We, we stand the law. We, we place the law. The verse is, is so important because once you understand what the foundation of salvation really is, free grace and justification by faith in Christ, once, once we begin to understand this, Is the law then cast aside? Is the law now seen as wicked? Is the law bad? And the answer is no, it's not. To, to put it short and sweet, the law is unable to save. The law is unable to provide justification. The law is unable to take the sinner and make him utterly holy. It cannot do that. So as we grasp the foundation of justification and salvation, as, as, we, as we realize what the what the stone foundation is, and the person goes on in living their Christian life, he does not do it without the help and the aid of the law. Look with me at a verse in Joshua, chapter 1 and verse 8. We're going to look at Joshua 1.8. He says something that, that I already know that you know David says. David, David has said, I'll meditate on your law day and night. Look at what Joshua says in Joshua 1.8. He says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Why? For his justification, so that he can keep and maintain righteousness? No, look, it says, For then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. Even for Joshua, as, as we're reading these words in the Old Testament, the law was not to him something that was going to make him righteous. We, we shouldn't even begin to understand that the law was his way to righteousness. The law provides a framework. The law is, in a way, like the tools of a builder, like a level like a square or like understanding the principles of building straight and square walls. How do, how do you build a strong structure as opposed to a weak and dilapidated structure? How do you go about establishing the principles and the guidelines of our lives? Or let me put it to you like this. The first two commandments of the Ten Commandments would teach us to rever God and, and have no other gods. It, it would teach us to never blaspheme His name. It would teach us to be careful with 
how we would even say and use his name that we wouldn't be irreverent and we would not blaspheme him and that we would have no idols. Do you think that once we come to a right understanding of the doctrine of justification by faith, do you, do you think that once we understand that justification is by faith in Christ alone, when we realize the Lord, do we think that when the Lord has given justification, and He has wiped away the debt of our sins, that He has now said it's not against the law to blaspheme Him? Does that even make sense? In other words, the law helps us know what's right and wrong, doesn't it? Doesn't the law show us how to be pleasing to the Lord or how to be offensive to the Lord? Doesn't the law show us how to preserve the the family in a marriage by not committing adultery, remaining faithful to our spouse? God has not annulled these things. And and this is the sense of, of what we're reading here in the last verse of the chapter. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. Another component of this is here. In the gospel, God has not set aside the law to save men. Indeed, God has actually fulfilled all of the requirements of the law in and for sinful men who would put their trust in Christ. God hasn't set it aside. God hasn't made it null. Indeed, the law has been perfectly satisfied and and is still in force. The law simply lacks the ability to make you who are unrighteous Righteous. It cannot do that. What the law did not and could not do, God has done by His precious Son and by faith in the Lord Jesus. Gospel justification and redemption and propitiation impute the guilty with innocence when he does believe God and put his trust in Christ. Your, your sins are taken away and you are given the righteousness of Christ. The law of faith excludes boasting. We've, we've been taught, we've been exhorted. Use this tool to look at your heart. Are you a boaster? What is it you boast in? How do you measure your Christian success? It must be your faith in Christ. We must know the Savior and confidently rest our faith in the Savior. The law of works requires boasting. And the law of works can only point out your failures. The law of works will only condemn you. Do not operate and live in the realm of the law of works. The boasts of your heart will reveal 
what you are relying on for your hope. If your heart's boast is in the perfect righteousness and the grace of God in Christ, then you are resting in salvation. If your heart's boast is in any of your any of your deeds, any of your virtues, then you are resting in the law of works. Finally, the law of faith does not void the law. It doesn't void the law. I hope you'll take some time. I hope you'll give some thought to this important revelation at the close of this gospel. What is the boast of your heart? There's no boasting of of self-achievement and and virtue and righteousness in the law of faith. The law of faith excludes it. So use this, use this text, use this passage to know your heart and, and confess your sin if you need to, if you find yourself holding yourself up. Repent. Put your trust in the Savior. Praise the Savior for his immeasurable grace to you. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, use your word to convert sinners. Use your word to strengthen sinners. And we thank you and praise you for the glorious Christ. In his name, amen.